The journey of faith is often filled with obstacles, trials, and struggles. And quite honestly, sometimes it just feels like we're roaming in the wilderness in this culture, in this society. We might be asking, is the Bible relevant to what is going on in our world today? On this podcast, we'll discuss the relevance of the Bible to today's current events and society. Let's welcome in Voice in the Modern Wilderness host, Greg Walden. Thank you, Pastor Jeremiah. I wish to welcome all of you to the Voice in the Modern Wilderness podcast, where our goal is to reach the lost for Christ and to spark a national revival in our land. Hello, guys. Yours truly has served in the United States Army from 1988 to to 1994, six years, Desert Storm veteran. My dad served 21 years in the Air Force, a Vietnam veteran. I have an uncle that served in the, uh, I believe he served in the Army. Uh, He was a Korean War veteran, and my grandpa, Elliot, was a World War II veteran. And I've got Civil War veterans, and I think somebody in my ancestry fought pretty much almost every war that this nation's been involved in at some form or fashion. That being said, you know, I am a big fan of military type video games, you know, real time strategy, first person shooters, you know, military stuff. Uh, back in the day, back in the 90s, uh, used to be, a, you know, when I had, was still doing computer gaming, uh, there's a game called Command and Conquer. And uh, I really was good at that game. And I would play against my friends and stuff. And. The key to a good command and conquer player, because it was a tra- it's a real time strategy game, so it's a strategy, and basically you build a base, you build defensive and offensive units, and the goal is to go destroy your enemy's base, your opponent's base. And so, most people when they play this game, they would just start building their base and doing whatever. And, you know, there's a lot of common tactics that people used. But my tactic, and this is key, and this, I'm going, this is a spiritual lesson, folks, so please bear with me. I know, why was he talking video games? But trust me, there's a spiritual uh, aspect of this. And when you get round started, you had, a, you had a mobile construction vehicle, which you used to be kind of like the cornerstone of your base. You'd build your, you start building that, and you would build other structures as you built that structure. So you kind of had to build your base, but you, you were also involved economics. So, I mean, you just couldn't build, build, build. You had to go harvest resources in the area around where your base was going to be at. So you had limited resources. And so you had to choose what type of units that you was going to build with the resources that you had. And it started out with a few extra grunts and, you know, stuff like that. So we had, you know, you may have like five grunts that starts you out with and a couple vehicles. I mean, nothing really fancy, but just something to get you started. So my common strategy, what I like to do is those five little grunts. They're, I call them red shirts because if you're familiar with Star Trek, they're expendable. And when the round started, you can only see the area of the map where you started out at. Everything else is pitch black. You can't see nothing else on the map. So I would just send one grunt this way, one grunt that way, one grunt this way. And I'd send those grunts all over the map to try to uncover parts of the map to hopefully identify where the opponent's base was at. It was was very crucial to know this information. And a lot of people 
when they started the round, didn't do this. They just started building their base and had no idea where the opponent was at, what he was doing, nothing. So they just started building. And a lot of times they just would build tanks, 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 tanks. To tank rush was a kind of a popular um, strategy. But anyways, I would send my grunts over. Once I found the opponent base, I would spend more time looking at what my opponent was doing. Because I knew if once I saw what the opponent was doing, I knew where to allocate my resources. So I wasn't going to waste resources building stuff and something that wouldn't help me to defeat my opponent. So if he's building a bunch of tanks, well, I'm not going to build a bunch of infantry because they would just be squished. I would be building a good defense on my base and I would be building, you know, vehicles like armor or planes and stuff like that. And I was a big special forces person, so I would build special forces units. And I would see where he was concentrating those forces at. Then I would flank him in a position where his base was at least defended. So I would just bypass, although he could build 20, 30 tanks. I mean, he puts them all in his eastern area, so I would just sneak my special forces down on the west side and gut him that way. His tanks wouldn't mean nothing. And so anyway, so basically you just had to build your strategy based on what the enemy was doing. And that's how I played. And that's I was pretty pretty good at that strategy. But anyways, video games aside, uh, what I'm kind of getting at is we have to know our enemy. The, as a Christian, you got to know who your enemy is. Your enemy is not your boss. It's not your ex-wife. It's not your grumpy neighbor. It's not your bad parents. No, those are not your enemy, folks. They may do bad things. They may rub you the wrong way, but they're not your enemy. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, verse 12, quote, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, unquote. Your enemy is the devil. That's who your enemy is. You've got to be wary of who he is and what he does. It doesn't mean you've got to put him on a pedestal, folks. I mean, obviously, we're not going here putting the devil on a pedestal. But you have to know him so you can recognize when he comes against you. You have to recognize who it is that's coming against you because there's many voices that will come into your head. And if you don't know your enemy, you're going to get shellacked just telling you you will get shellacked if you don't know your enemy just like in this video game if you don't know what your enemy's doing more than likely you're going to get shellacked you're not going to be ready and when he comes against you you're going to like you're going to be like uh and <laughs> shellacked the term satan which everybody refers to as the devil satan it means adversary or the accuser as a believer, that tells you what the devil is going to do to try to, to shellack you. He's going to make accusations against you. And he hits you at certain times in your life where you are vulnerable. Okay? Uh, say God calls you to a huge ministry or calls you to a ministry. You can expect the devil to oppose you. You can expect him to accuse you. When life goes crazy and you have a lot of stuff going on in your life, you can expect the devil to be there to accuse you and to tempt you. 
Maybe you just want a huge miracle in your life, a huge spiritual victory in your life. Oh yeah, you can expect the devil to be there to accuse you and to try to tempt you. You see, folks, we are in a huge spiritual warfare. You don't have to ask for to be a part of spiritual warfare. You are part of spiritual warfare. As a Bible-believing Christian, you're a warrior, whether you realize it or not. You have an adversary, whether you realize it or not. You see, the devil can't really touch you. He, you know, once you're saved, the devil really can't. He has no control over you. He has no power over you. He's a defeated foe. Jesus Christ defeated him on the cross. To understand the enemy and everything involved, okay, there's two types of people in the world. There are unsaved people who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord and given their lives to him. Those are the lost. And then there are saved people who have given their lives to Jesus Christ, accepted the gift of salvation, and are saved. All right. Now, for the lost, for the people who are not saved, Satan owns them, okay? You may think this is a very hard statement when I said that, but Jesus makes it clear in John 8, 31 through 47. Quote, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested, The only Father we have is God Himself. Now listen to this. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. Here comes the big kicker. This is from Jesus Himself. You belong to your Father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Unquote. So, to understand the motive of the devil, which is the adversary, you have to understand what his end game is. Okay, we know 
that the devil and the demons were once angels. The devil's name used to be Lucifer, and he, you know, he rebelled against God because he wanted to be like God. He thought he could do the job better than God, so he and one third of the angels rebelled against God. Of course, that was a futile effort. I mean, I don't know what he was thinking, but yeah, didn't go well for him. And God kicked him and one third of the angels that rebelled with him out of heaven. And at that time, they became Satan. Lucifer, Lucifer became Satan, and the third of the angels became demons. All right, and there is no hope for salvation for the devil or the demons. They are eternally bound for hell. In fact, the reason why hell was even created in the first place was for the devil and the demons. Okay, that's their eternal home waiting for them to be tossed into it. All right, so the devil and the demons have a date with hell. There's no salvation for them. They are eternally destined for hell. So the devil obviously doesn't like people. Because, again, human beings are created in the image of God. And so the devil does not like you. If you think that the devil likes you, if you think the devil loves you, wrong, wrong, wrong. The devil hates you because you're created in the image of God. He hates you. Okay? So his motive, his end game, is to drag as many people that are created in the image of God to hell with him. Now, as a child of God, a believer, you cannot be dragged to hell because you're not going there. People who are saved are going to heaven. The devil no longer has any power, control, or authority over you whatsoever. You're escaped from his kingdom. The only people in the devil's kingdom are those who are lost. Now, with that being said, you as a believer are a huge threat to the devil's kingdom. Like I said, the devil wants to drag as many people to hell with him. He can't drag the believer because they've been blood-bought out of the kingdom of darkness. But the devil doesn't want to lose any more of his, uh, what you call, bounty, uh, per se. You're a threat to his kingdom. You're a threat to the devil. The devil's not a threat to you, but you're a threat to him. All right? So... The great commission that Jesus Christ gives all believers is to go out to the lost and preach the gospel. So when you're out doing that, you're taking people out of the devil's kingdom because you're preaching the gospel and they're going to be people that will respond to it and they'll get saved and thus they will escape the devil's kingdom. They will escape hell. The devil doesn't want people to escape hell. So, he is going to definitely be attacking the believer. He doesn't have to really attack this lost. He's got them. So if you're not being attacked by the devil, you might want to check your spiritual heartbeat. Just saying. Because he is going to be attacking the believers because he doesn't want the believer to be successful and actively doing the Great Commission. So he has to stop the believer from reaching the lost. All right, so if you're a believer and you're actively trying to do what God wants you to do, you can expect 
the devil to attack you. It's going to happen because, again, he doesn't want you to be effective. So he's going to tempt you. He's going to do whatever he can to try to keep you from influencing lost people. My pastor uh, up in Excelsior Springs, Missouri, at the First Assembly got up there, Pastor Larry Block, had a a sermon yesterday about salvation. And he brought up a very good point that the area that we struggle the most is in our mind. And that's where he's going to attack you, guys. He's going to attack you in the area of the mind. And... And a lot of us, man, I mean, it's 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 a big battlefield. I mean, I, I, can, I can speak from experience. I've had many battles in my mind. The enemy coming and attacking you right in the mind. I mean, you'd be doing things and then he'll just toss thoughts in there that are just so horrible that I can't, I won't even mention them on this, I won't even mention them. They're that, they're, they're, the thoughts were that horrible. And they're not my thoughts. I mean, it's not like I, I was sitting there wanting to thank them. But you just, and all of a sudden, it just, he just interjects those thoughts. And it's like, oh, so I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And then after he interjects the thoughts, then he tries to make you feel guilty about it. Again, like I said, he's the accuser. He'll do it, then, then accuse you of having that thought. And then you feel like, oh my gosh, I, you know, that, you know, it's, 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 it plays those games with you. And if you're not f- focused, on the word of God and not focused on Jesus and you don't know the truth of God's word, you could end up being sapped and it it can lead on weeks, months, even years of you not being effective for Jesus because you've been suckered by the enemy. Again, he can't touch you. All he can do is tempt you. But if he, if he throws a temptation or an accusation and you get sapped and you start thinking, you know, you start feeling down and out and everything like that, then that's going to keep you from being effective for Jesus and you're not going out and reaching the lost and therefore he kind of puts you as a non-threat to him. Like I told you guys, he wants to keep believers from being effective soul winners. Because he doesn't want you taking people out of his kingdom. And so he's got, the only thing he can do is try to get you to not do what Jesus tells you to do. However way he can do it, which is basically through your mind. So I've been going through many attacks in my mind. I ain't going to go through the details, but it's, I mean, he's done everything but this and that up to, man, you've done this. Now God won't forgive you. And then you start being scared that oh gosh did i screw up that bad where god won't forgive me you know i mean i all can't i mean we all struggle with this guys i'm being honest and open with you man i i am just a human being just like everybody else that's listening to this podcast we all struggle with this so i'm not saying anything new that nobody doesn't already hasn't hasn't already experienced okay i mean i you know i get you know crap i'm going through a whole bunch of stuff right now man i mean my life i'm not going to again i'm not going to divulge any details i mean it's not anybody's business but just for the sake of the show it's like you got one freight train hitting you from one end another freight train hitting you from another end and you've got all these circumstances hitting you all at once it's like murphy just having a heyday with you and then you got all this mess going on 
And then again, when all that's happening, it's emotionally draining you. That's the time the enemy is going to attack you. He's going to try to hit you at the most time at your most vulnerable. And when you're going through a lot of family drama, work drama, whatever drama you're going through, and you're emotionally sapped, that is when high tide he's going to try to attack you. Because again, he can't touch you. You're a blood-bought child of God if you're saved. He can't touch you, but he can try to get you out of the game through attacking your mind. So, this is where the antidote, the antidote, the devil is a liar. He's an accuser. The Bible tells you that he's an accuser of the brethren and that he lies. His native tongue is lying. There's no truth in him. So when he tries to toss a thought in your head and then tries to accuse you of it, you just tell him, you're a liar, devil. So when he tells you that God will not forgive you, you reply back, it is written. Just like when Jesus was tempted by the devil, Jesus replied, it is written. And so you can reply, it is written. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Romans 8 verses 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So it is very important to know what God's word says when the devil comes and plays these mind games with you. And definitely one of his biggest, the biggest issues, like Pastor Block said yesterday, the worst thing in the world he can get you to do is to doubt God's word. That's a huge issue, even larger issue than adultery. Because here's, here's the thing is, guys, if you're doubting God's word, you're being a practical atheist. Wow. Yep. When you doubt God's word, you're practicing atheism. Because the atheists doubt God. Obviously, they don't believe in God. Why? Because they doubt everything in the Bible is true. So when you're doubting God's word, you're pretty much doing the same thing an atheist is doing. So a uh, little uh, tidbit for thinking there. So don't be an atheist, guys. Don't doubt God's word. God's word is truth. Jesus Christ himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Don't let the devil sap you into doubting God's word. Don't let the de devil sap you into believing something that he's accused you of that you're not guilty of. So when he attacks you with thoughts that are not yours, stuff, and then it then turns around and accuses you of being a horrible believer because you that thought was happened to hit you in the head when he put it there, not you. He put it there. You need to realize this attack. I'm sure it's happened to a lot of people. I'm, I know I'm not the, alone in this one because he's done it to me many times over and over and over again. I mean, going through bouts of him attacking me with the most horrible thoughts that are not mine because I don't go around thinking these things. But I'll be doing something. All of a sudden, they thought I'll just hit out of nowhere. 
And it's like, Dan, always following the thought comes the accusation. The the guilt trip that he tries to put on you because he tries to make that your thought, which it wasn't. So that's one of the main games he likes to play. And I tell you what, if it's 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 a very easy pitfall to fall into. Very easy pitfall to fall into. Because again, you know, especially if you're and in, if you're like me, an over analytical person, the worst part is not only does he hit you and accuse you, then you start analyzing it. It's like, why do I need to analyze this? I this is an attack of the enemy. This is what God's word says. Settle it. And my my mind likes to try to replay it, replay it, replay it. And then I keep feeling more guilty, more guilty, more guilty. And I feel down and down and down. Then I feel like I'm not wor- worthy and I feel like I'm not, you know, living up to God's standards. You know, all, I mean, all kinds of stuff that, that happens, you know. And it goes on for weeks on end. And it's like, it's it's horrible, guys. Now, again, I'm being real, man. I'm I'm sharing I'm sharing myself with all of you guys because I know I'm not the only one that struggles with this. I know all you, some of you guys out there also struggle with this same thing. And a lot of times you don't share these struggles. I mean, you know, because again, you won't, people think, maybe people think I'm nuts if I, if I share this. Well, no, you're not nuts. I mean, you're a human being. Okay. You're just a human being, guys. Human beings have struggles and issues. All kinds of battles going on. Christians, every Christian believer, fights these battles, whether it be with the mind, whatever it is, addictions. I mean, there's a whole plethora of issues that we as believers fight because we're still human beings. And we, you know, we want to be like Jesus in everything I do. I want to be like Jesus. I want to please Jesus with everything I think, say, and do. And do I always live up to that? No, I, 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 I want to. That's my goal. I want to please God with everything I say, think, and do. And as long as I'm here on earth, I know I have an adversary that tries to tries to attack me to try to keep me from being effective, try to keep me from doing the things that God wants me to do. And it's it's a battle. I mean, it's, it's like the Bible says, you got to put on the whole armor of God every morning you wake up. Because if you don't do it, you're going to get out there naked and you're going to get slapped. I mean, that's why the, God, the Bible says, put your armor on. Because if you don't, you're going to get slapped. So, I hope this encourages you guys. I mean, I pray that if you're struggling with these, with these attacks on your mind, with these attacks that the devil's trying to accuse you of, and, and you know, stuff like that, step one, praise Jesus. Praise. Get some worship music going. Praise the Lord. Praise is a huge weapon. You can fight the battle with, with praise. Two, know the word of God. Reply with the word of God. The word. What did Jesus do when he was tempted? He didn't get into a five-hour dialogue with the devil. He just said, it is written. The devil can't stand against the word of God. He can't. The word of God is truth. The devil can't hang with that, guys. The devil cannot hang with the word of God. Period. You come back with the word of God. You come back with praise. Tell you, that's how you overcome the devil. All right, guys. I wish you God bless and see you next episode. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Voice in the Modern Wilderness. 
The goal of this podcast is to reach the lost for Jesus Christ and spark a national revival in our nation. I pray that the message of these podcasts reaches your heart, and if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved today, right now. Jesus Christ stands at the door of your heart and asks you to open the door to Him. He desires to save you today and right now. You don't have to do 100 Hail Marys or worry that your life is too dirty for Him to welcome you. You come as you are, dirty and wretched, just like all of us who are saved came to Him at one point in our lives. All it takes is for you to surrender your life to Him right now. Jesus will do the cleaning. All you need to do is come to Him in humility and repentance for your sins and ask Him to forgive you of your sins right now and He will forgive you of all your sins. He will start a new work in you. He will make you a new creation and your life will never be the same again. He offers you freedom you have never experienced and joy that you cannot explain. If God's Spirit is convicting you now that the message of the gospel is true, do not ignore it. Open your heart to Jesus now and allow Him to do a new work in you and set you free from sin, death, and hell. If you want to get saved today, please pray along with me right now. Father God, I am convinced the message of the gospel is true And I believe that your only Son, Jesus Christ, came down to earth through the virgin birth, lived a sinless life, and went to the cross of Calvary to lay down his life for my sins, and rose again on the third day as evidence of him being the King of kings and Lord of lords, and because he rose again through him, so shall I rise again. Because he conquered the grave, so shall I conquer the grave. I believe Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father and is preparing a place for me in heaven, and I want to repent of my sins right now. I turn away from this sinful lifestyle I have been living and ask you to forgive my sins, and I make you Lord of my life right now. I will read your word and do what you say in your word from this point forward. I surrender my will to your will, Lord Jesus, and one day you are coming again for all those who have believed and put their trust in you so that we may be where you are. I come to you in faith believing and thank you for sacrificing yourself for my sins and receive salvation that you have paid for and offer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for forgiving me now and making me a new creation. I thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit and I wish to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit so that I may overcome sin as you have overcome the world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have believed and prayed that prayer in faith believing, I wish to rejoice with you and be assured that your life will never be the same again. The Bible says that the angels rejoice in heaven when one lost soul comes to salvation in Christ. And right now there is a party going on in heaven just because you have come home to Jesus. You have escaped the judgment of hell that would have fallen on you had you not received this wonderful salvation. I also encourage you to find a local Bible-believing church and talk to the pastor, the deacons, the elders of the church 
to let them know, hey, I just got saved, and give me direction where I should go, help you find a ministry, and fulfill the Great Commission to reach all the lost for Jesus Christ in the world. I wish to thank all of you for listening to my podcast and encourage you to let others know of my podcast series. I am praying that this podcast series will grow and reach more people and would appreciate your help in accomplishing this. I wish all of you God bless and look forward to bringing you more content, so please stay tuned for more podcasts from Voice in the Modern Wilderness. Have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye.